Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. You would join me in Matthew chapter 6. We're processing through, and, and I didn't intend it originally, but the Lord just keeps giving uh, legs to it. I was <clears throat> actually going to focus on hope for a few weeks, and hope gave birth to joy, and now joy has given birth to, uh, to peace, and I'm grateful because I'm, he's teaching me so much. Last week, we really kind of launched from the verse in John chapter 14, verse 27, and, uh, and I know I just said Matthew 6, which is where we'll be, but uh, this is a great verse for us to memorize as well. And Jesus is uh, at a moment of, of uh, concern, and a moment of, of <clears throat> uh, fear, uh, unrest, uh, worry, anxiety for the disciples. He's talking about last things and what they can expect that they've never experienced before. And, and in that moment, Jesus says to them, uh, peace I leave with you. Not the peace that the world offers do I leave to you, but my peace. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now that verse is really mathematical in that it is, it's, it's doing a lot of things. It's because of this and this and, and this solves this issue and that issue. And so uh, out of the heart comes two things. Let not your heart be what? Troubled. Neither let your heart be afraid. So what Jesus is telling them is that I'm going to put a peace in you. I'm going to leave it for you. And in place of your trouble and your fear, you can experience peace. Now, this is incredibly important for us to get. In fact, the whole message today is incredibly pertinent to the age that we live in right now. Your heart, by nature, is going to produce Two things. One of those things is trouble. And that has to do with how you respond to external situations. The second thing that your heart is going to produce naturally is fear. And that's how you deal with internal frustrations or complications. But Jesus says in place of both of those things, you also have the capacity for peace, which I believe is the craving of the soul, to be at peace with God because we have the peace of God, Philippians chapter 4 says, which we won't get to all of that today. But a heart Jesus, according to Jesus in John 14, a heart that is focused on the world's peace produces two things, trouble and fear. How we process the world and how we process ourselves. Trouble and fear actually produce other things that affect our lives. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the things that trouble and fear produce. 
But what we notice here is that the heart is the seedbed. The heart produces things. And when they are filtered spiritually, they transform us. When they're not filtered spiritually, they destroy us. Now, many of you have heard me talk about this before, but I believe that that God tells us to love him with every part of ourself, with, which is our body, our, our strength, our, our mind, our heart, and then also our spirit. Now, what some of us may not realize is that when we are born because of, because of the fall in the garden with Adam and Eve and because of our carnal nature, when we are created or when, when uh, we're, we're given birth, we have our spirit is dead which means that we are cut off from the likeness of God. Now, we are body and we are soul, which is where we process life. That's where our personality and our emotions and our ambitions and our craving, all of those things reside in our soul. And our spirits are dead. And if we are to die with a dead spirit, we will spend eternity separated from God. But if we allow the work of the Holy Spirit to resurrect our dead spirits, then we can live eternally with God. Now, we are going to live eternally either in heaven or in hell or the lake of fire or the holy city of God. And so we have a choice to make if we're going to live in the resurrection power of the Spirit. When we do, it has the capacity to resurrect a natural mind and make it supernatural and a natural body and make it supernatural. It begins to crave and process things differently. Well, in the middle, Jesus says, is the, is the, the heart, that's the soul, that's the part where we process. He says that he gives us the capacity to instead of the heart producing trouble and fear, it can produce peace but only when it is transformed by the Spirit of God. So it's really easy for us to go through our life that is filled, by the way, because we live in a broken world, a fallen world. The world is everywhere you look, you're going to find trouble and fear. So here's how you know that you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you living at peace or are you living with trouble and fear? And some of you may say, well, it's trouble and fear I can manage. Well, yes, but the goal of the Christian is to walk and exhibit life of peace. And so we have two options. And I believe what, what we're, in, in, we're back over to Matthew chapter 6 now. In Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read it in just a few moments. But Jesus is comparing two options. So let's, let's take what... Uh, what Jesus teaches us in John 14 and apply it to Matthew 6, which is at the very beginning of his ministry, his very, very first sermon, Sermon on the Mount. But in this, in this sermon, what Jesus is saying is that there are two realities that exist simultaneously, okay? There's two, two, two realities, two kingdoms. The first kingdom, uh, okay, well, let's, let's, just, let's go back one layer. So you have the heart, the heart produces, apart from God, produces trouble and fear. The heart that is connected to the Spirit of God produces peace. Now that may not be the, 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 like the go-to. Some of you are like, well, then I, you know, I can get to peace, but it's not my go-to. Well, that's okay. We're going to take that because you have to take, 
take every thought captive to Christ. And when you do, you can remind your spirit, you can remind your, your soul uh, which emotions that you want to process, right? So if you want to be at peace, you have to take that to the truth of Jesus Christ. Because if you take it to the truth of the world, the truth of this world is a lie. The truth of the word of God will produce peace in your life. So the things that you think, this is why it's so important for you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind daily. Because as you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, you can take those thoughts captive, remind yourself of the truth, and then tell yourself how you're going to feel and what you're going to value. You can find your purpose and your fulfillment in that. I'm telling you, so many Christians miss this because we look to the world for these things and it's always going to produce death. <clears throat> so the heart produces, in this case, trouble. Matthew, we're back to Matthew 6. And trouble here is producing anxiety. Now, I'm going to ask, how many of you struck? No, I'm not going to ask that. I'm just kidding. Because it's 100%. I already know. I did a survey just before church started. I watched how you came to church this morning. And... Uh, it was filled with anxiety. <clears throat> so uh, anxiety is a real issue. Anxiety is how you deal with the externals. That comes from trouble. Trouble comes from your heart. So I'm telling you this. If you deal with anxiety in your life, it's because you're believing lies about the external world around you. So there's two realities, Jesus says. There's the, the, the first kingdom is where we all start. That's like where we spawn into life. This first kingdom, it's everybody's origin story, right? It's a kingdom of searching. It's a, it's a kingdom of pursuit, a kingdom of longing, a kingdom of questions. It's a kingdom of striving. It's a kingdom of unfulfillment, disappointment. And it always leads to eternal death. But a resurrected spirit, a, a spirit that, that has experienced, yes, we will resurrect. Our bodies will one day resurrect and we'll be able to live with Jesus. But until that moment, our, our souls have already experienced that. Our spirits have certainly experienced that already. So if you're waiting to experience the resurrection until you die, you're waiting too long. There is a resurrection that is possible today. When you experience that resurrection, you are immediately transported into another kingdom that is simultaneously walking alongside of kingdom one. It's kingdom two, and you're, you can walk in it. You can live in it. And you can see kingdom one from where you are, but this is what Jesus told them to pray in this very sermon, that we are to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That Jesus' kingdom can actually exist here. It can cohabitate. But I'm going to tell you, as most Christians try to do this, you cannot live in both kingdoms simultaneously. They exist simultaneously, but you can't live in them both. And if you want to know how I know that, it's because you can't live in peace and anxiety at the same time. That's the proof. So this first kingdom is where we start. But once we experience the resurrection of the Spirit, we're immediately transported into another kingdom where we can feel with different feelings. We can love with a different love. We have a, a different joy. We have a different peace. All of these things get elevated into Christ-likeness, into the kingdom. It's a kingdom of finding it's a kingdom of satisfaction, a kingdom of answers. It's a kingdom of shifted priorities. It's a, it's a kingdom of contentment, a kingdom of purpose. And it always leads to eternal life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. 
therefore. So for those of you who are, maybe this is your first Sunday, <clears throat> it's, like a, it's like this is your orientation. So whenever you see in Scripture a therefore, you have to ask yourself this question. What is the therefore, therefore? All right, so immediately, we're starting in verse 25, but we have to go back up to verse 19 because that's the most recent break. That's where the thought continues. So Jesus is saying, because of what I just said, this is true. So I'm going to start reading in verse 19 quickly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is so important for us to get this right. I'm going to tell you, we can ask ourselves, well, so what is a treasure? Well, treasure is something that I love. You look at a kid's treasure box and you will find rocks and paper clips and pieces of ribbon and things that don't matter much, but they're a treasure to them. Why? Because they love them. So where do I put the things I love? I put them in my treasure box. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying here is you are treasuring the wrong things. You're treasuring the wrong things. Yes, I know that there's things in your life you love. But when you've been resurrected by the Spirit, you have the freedom to begin to love what Jesus loves, to pursue the things that are right. And if you pursue the things that are right, your treasures will change. So if you're going to pursue the things of this world, you're going to love them. A lot. It's going to get reinforced. Look at your checkbook. You can see some patterns because we love things. Checkbooks. <laughs> Sorry, all of you people younger than me. I, a checkbook, you used to write checks and rip them out and hand them to people and then say, these people will give you some of my money. And uh, it doesn't work like that anymore. Sorry, I have recently had a birthday and <clears throat> I didn't realize how old I was. Sorry. All right. Some of you are like, checkbook? What's a checkbook? Is that a thing anymore? No, it's not a thing hardly anymore. There's like one check that we write ever here. Uh, so <clears throat> anyway, so what, so what Jesus is saying is you get to determine what you treasure. You get to determine what you treasure. And so put your treasures in heaven. That's present tense, by the way. Lay your, uh, lay your treasures in heaven. And he also in present tense says, because when it's there, it will not rust, it will not get eaten, it won't be destroyed, it won't rot, and it can't be stolen. In present tense. So he's not talking about the end of your life, he's talking about today. Make sure that you value the things that you can put where Jesus is. And let me tell you what will happen when you begin to treasure the area where Jesus lives you'll begin to develop a heart for it, a, a passion for it, a, a desire, a craving for it. And all of a sudden, the things of this world will begin to shift. And you say, well, I really don't want it to because I really love my stuff. I know, that's the problem. We should be loving his stuff. Because the stuff that you can put in heaven is not the stuff you can put on the earth. The stuff you put in heaven 
is your love. It's your relationships. It's your integrity. It's your credibility. It's your reputation. It's your character. Those are the things that you can put up there. It's his glory. It's his honor. It's his purpose and calling for my life. It's the people that he puts around me in those relationships that I can invest Jesus into them. I can put those up there and those are the things that God rewards. Not storage buildings and closets and pantries. So, for where your treasure is, whatever you treasure, that's where you'll find your heart. Now, your heart's the problem. Remember, your heart's the problem. So what you do with that heart is paramount to the solution. So, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, that means if you're able to see spiritually, your whole body will be full of light. It will inform all of you. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Again, referencing to two kingdoms. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot live in two kingdoms simultaneously. Well, it actually says you can't serve God and money. God and stuff. Verse 25, because this is true, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Your heart is the issue and it's producing trouble. Trouble produces anxiety. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food? And the body more than clothing? You know, in a world where one kingdom is constantly focused on more. He is saying here that, you know, the best more that the world has, there's more spiritually. Look at the birds of the air. They, they don't neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I want you to really underline that. I want you to pay special attention to that. We're going to call back on it in a moment. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Boy, that is true. I tell you what, Crayola is awesome. Crayola makes some colors. I wish that sometimes that were my job. I'd love to be like the person who names crayon colors. I think that would be awesome. Maybe paint colors. I think that is awesome. That'd be an awesome job. I don't know what it pays, but you know, I'd, it'd be, I'd just do it part-time even. I don't think it would take much time. The time that they put in this, it couldn't possibly take much time. But the most beautiful colors Crayola offers, if you've ever swam in the ocean and the coral reefs and seen some of the colors, if you've ever been like out in nature and just seen some or botanical gardens and just seeing some of the colors of some of these flowers, Crayola cannot come close. It's not even close. Sorry, Crayola. They're one of our sponsors, but we, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith. 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So again, comparing two kingdoms, the kingdom of the Jews and the kingdom of the Gentiles, the kingdom of, now obviously not like national Jews and not national Gentiles, which we are. He's talking about the people of God who are, who are living in the resurrection power of God's possession or the people who are pagans. The, the pagans chase after stuff. The pagans care about what for, what's having for lunch tomorrow. Two kingdoms. So, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Six times the word anxious is found in this passage of Scripture. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, the Bible does talk about three different kingdoms. And if you go back and you, you, you study these out, you will see them pretty clearly. Uh, and, and, you know, you see kingdom, most people just naturally assume, okay, he's talking about the kingdom again. But he talks about the kingdom of man, he talks about the kingdom of God, and he's also the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that there are three distinct kingdoms. I think the kingdom of man is the one that we live in. It's the one of flesh and blood, the one, the first kingdom. I believe the kingdom of heaven is the one that we're going to one day, the one that's coming out of, of heaven, the holy, the holy city of God, the new Jerusalem where we will live with him and there is no shadow there because he is the light. But in the middle, there is the kingdom of God, the, the, the kingdom that God reigns over, which is this kingdom running simultaneously with the kingdom that Satan also operates in. God is completely sovereign over the kingdom of man, but he allows the kingdom of man to run its course. But Christians who are living in the resurrection power have the potential of living in the kingdom of God. We can live by the kingdom principles. We can live by the character of the kingdom. We can live in kingdom fruit and kingdom gifting and kingdom love and kingdom joy. All the things that the Spirit gives us is available in, in, that, in that middle kingdom, kingdom two. And so what, you know, don't store treasures in kingdom one. Store treasures in kingdom two. So what would a treasure be here? And I'm not trying to get, you know, I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to meddle in your life, but I think the better question is, what does kingdom two treasure? And we start prioritizing kingdom two's treasure. And you start loving those things even more, and the things of this world begin to fade away. And they don't produce what we were asking for them to produce anyway. You see, when you begin to treasure the right things, and listen, you might want to write this down because I, I, think that it's, I think it's significant. When you begin to treasure the right things, you don't have to worry about anxiety anymore because it takes care of itself. Anxiety takes care of itself when you treasure the right things. It's when you don't treasure the right things that you get a little bit out of focus and your heart gets away from you. So your passion follows our investment. Our passion follows our investment. Our investment follows one of two kingdoms. Passion toward this world produces death. It goes through anxiety and chaos and trouble and busyness and all sorts of things. But the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, always produces peace. Your investment in his kingdom always produces peace. Peace.
This command is found in verse 25. It says, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, your body, what you will put on. That word anxious in the original language means to take no thought. It means don't even take into consideration personally. It says your life. So what he is saying is don't take yourself into consideration. As you're living your life don't, you're, and you're thinking through your day, don't take yourself into consideration because you live with a different king. If you live and Satan is your king or you are your own king, then you got every reason to be anxious. But if you're living with King Jesus, the sovereign creator of all things, why would you be living in anxiety? You can't even add a moment to your life. Why are you trying to control everything? Grumbling and complaining about everything. Why do you act like you lost everything you love all the time? Listen, life is more than your belly and your back. It's a lot more important than the food you eat and the clothes on your back. Life is more than presentation and being filled. It's a lot more than the externals. And our theology, the things that we believe about God is revealed by what we worry about. You can say you trust God all day long. But your theology is revealed by what you worry about. How we look, how we feel, how others receive us, what others think, contentment from things that pass away, satisfaction from things that we're wearing out, needs replacement, updating, upgrading, needs maintenance. If these are the things that are consuming your day, you may not be anxious today, but I assure you it will bring anxiety. It will never produce peace. And this is what Jesus is talking about. There are things that you should appropriately be concerned about in this world. For instance, health, relationships. These are things that should bring concern. And so we make decisions for those things, but for God's glory, not just for our comfort. But there are so many things that appropriately need some concern and consideration. Why would you add a necessary Worries and concerns. When life becomes about physical needs, when this world becomes our focus and the scope of our life, anxiety is right around the corner and anxiety chokes panic. So the first point that Jesus is trying to make is that anxiety about providing for yourself reveals what you actually believe at the center of your life. Now, he does, Paul, Paul later uh, tells the church at Philippi that they should work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, so to be able to think about yourself being on the outside of God's grace, we should consider that. That is a concern we should have. And he tells us there that we should consider that with fear and trembling. But that's, but that's, that's a healthy consideration. We tremble at the thought of being outside of anything that would keep God away from ourselves. It would be better to lose everything than to lose God. So when we tremble and worry about the things of this world, including our life, uh, you know, we're preaching something deeply false. And so and I just now stepped a little bit into meddling, so I'm going to stay right here on the edge of it. But 
What we preach with the choices we make is a whole lot more important than the things we teach with our voice. Your message may be golden, and you may have every little jot and tittle down to Scripture. You quote Scripture, you know all that stuff. What you teach with your life is much more important than what you teach with your voice. That's what reveals. Your life reveals your faith, your belief. Not what you believe, but how you live it out. And so sometimes we can say we value kingdom too. I live in kingdom too. And I thank God for all that he has given to me. But we spend all of our time focused on the gifts of God rather than God himself. The purposes of God. The breath of God. The life of God. The calling of God on our lives. So what we're telling the world around us is that kingdom one is better than kingdom two, or at least equal to. We can produce for ourselves. We strive for ourselves. Our way is much better. The things that we are able to do is better than what God wants for me. And we would never say that. Listen, I don't think for a moment there's not a person in this room that would say, I, I think that my way is better than God's way. But we live like we're our own provider, like we are our own comforters, like we are our own pleasure seekers. The things that we're going to produce with our life is going to produce so much better than what God produces. And you say, well, I don't think that God would say that. He, he just did say that his plan and the fulfillment that he has for our life is so much better than yours, than ours. You may say, as I have, okay, well, I think I have these kingdoms in balance. These, these kingdoms are, are in balance with each other. I mean, I, I'm, all, I'm all right. I'm all right. And I would say to us, in a very honest way, Jesus never called us to live a balanced life. He never called us to live in balance. He called us to live all in. And that's probably where most of our anxiety comes from, is trying to live balanced, trying to live one life, one life in this kingdom and one life in this kingdom. Listen, I, this world has enough anxiety. Kingdom two has enough consideration in it. You add a foot in both of those things, and it's no wonder Christians are some of the meanest, most difficult people on the earth because not only are they struggling with these frustrations and these frustrations, but these frustrations. We're not called to be balanced. All in. You may say, well, we should care what we eat. I mean, I can tell you, if, if Jesus were to say, hey, don't worry about what you eat. I mean, I'm going to the hot fudge buffet. <laughs> we should care about what we eat, but not so that I can impress you with whatever, but so that I can give God the glory for my life and I can have vitality to be able to do what God has called me to do. You see, we should care about some things, but what Jesus said is just know that the things you care about, life is more than that. Life is more than that. Your life, your life has a higher calling than meat. Your life has a higher calling than clothing. Most of us are wasting that higher calling. We live 
mostly, like life is about physical needs, we begin to care too much. And, and, and we say, well, you know, I'm going to care a little bit, take care of my, all my stuff, and that's great, and that's all good. And, but I'm telling you, if we're not taking those thoughts captive, we can end up focusing solely on kingdom one and think or rationalize or excuse our neglect of kingdom two and not even know it. Then when it comes time to invest, we have no energy, we have no resources. All we are able to do is give God leftovers. This is why Jesus comes along and says, you need to seek first the kingdom of God because if you're not seeking first the kingdom of God, all you'll have left is intentions or going to's or one day's. So anxiety, by definition, means unnecessary consideration. So Jesus says here in verse 26, look. So that means, that word look, blepo, uh, it means to see with the mind. It means to consider. So he said, don't consider yourself, but consider this instead. I mean, listen, the, the, most, <laughs> the most silly illustration. Just consider the birds. Birds uh, don't fly around with their mouths open hoping to catch a worm. They work. Birds work. But they don't build barns. They, they're, not, they're, not, uh, they're not out there sowing, sowing gardens. No, they live meal to meal. And you know what they do in the other time? What God intended for them to do. Just sing. Tweet. Fly into windows, stuff like that. I mean, they're not smart. (laughs) Some of them are smart. God feeds them. Birds have the feathers. God clothes them. They glide. They have peace, free from anxiety. They don't store up. They don't strive for next. And God supplies for every one of them. And, And by the way, when one of them falls out of the sky, he knows it. So if God cares for them and they do what God intended for them to do, then surely you who are made in his image are so much more than that. Surely you you know that. And so you're caring about the things that God has already promised is what creates anxiety in you. in, In other words, it's saying, God, I care about this thing more than I believe you care about this thing. Do you see? I don't think we would ever say that. But the anxiety proves that we believe that. His caring will give you peace. Your caring produces anxiety. It it, it will always only lead to rust, rot, and it fades. But when you are free to be and to do and to to be obedient and to do what God has called you to do and to be, peace the biggest issue that I think and Jesus teaches here I have never really heard this taught uh, much but the biggest issue with, with worry anxiety I, I think is, is, is not thinking too much of ourselves, but thinking too little and, and about wrong things so when we are anxious about something and we claim to trust God we claim to know God I think the, I think the problem is is that you don't think God cares enough about you I think that's the primary issue. 
If you knew how much God valued your life, you wouldn't worry near as much about it. And that's what he says. Do you, do you not know? I mean, God takes care of birds. Do you not know how much more valuable you are than that? So you're here, birds are down here, and you've never seen an anxious bird. Oh, ye of little faith. I think the issue, I think the issue is you have such, we have such a low view of God, which gives us such a low view of ourselves. Now, if you're not careful, you'll build yourself up in your own value. And a lot of people do that, creating some sort of arrogance, some sort of uh, uh, self-confidence. Now, listen, and I, and I will say, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, we started talking about the importance of building that in children, the self-esteem and the, and the feel good about yourself, positive thinking. Listen, all that's done is created depressed kids because that ain't where you can get peace. That ain't where you get the affirming. Where you get the affirming is knowing who you are in him and knowing who he is. That's where the self-esteem comes from. That's where the peace comes from, not from what you think about yourself, but believing what he has said about you already. It's an identity issue. And it's only solved in a resurrected spirit. Worry never produces the results you're looking for. Verse 27, this is the natural way to think. Uh, you know what, I'm not, I'm not getting what the world is offering me, so I know what I'll do. I'm going to worry about it. That'll fix it. That fixes, worry fixes everything. Some people are controllers. They think they can just control every situation. It'll work out for everyone, for them. They'll have life added to their life and others will see them as having arrived and people will want to be me. They will say, wow, I want to make decisions like they make decisions because, look, they have it all. And we, and we value people who have it all, these self-made people who have it all. Boy, they have it all, including all the anxiety. It's never enough. Verse 28 through 30. Yeah, I'm... Paraphrasing here, but Jesus says that the Father even clothes grass, and, and grass dies and withers the next day. I mean, it, it, it's green today, and you put it in the oven and fry it tomorrow. I mean, and listen, even Solomon, the, the, the richest, multi-possibly trillionaire the world has ever known, he, he could not produce the beauty of a blade of grass or a lily of the field. And God takes care of it. Why would you, who are made in His image, His likeness, have the responsibility to manifest His kingdom? I mean, He gave that to you to, to, to manifest His kingdom. Why would you think He would withhold Himself from you and then hold you responsible for it? It only robs us of peace and it doesn't change a thing. And so all it does is rob you of peace and rob you of your true purpose. All right, summary statement. Matthew 6, verse 31 and 32. Uh, Therefore, don't be anxious about you know, anything saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Gentiles do that. You're not that. You're not pagans. You know the truth. It's just more, more kingdom talk. And I'm just going to reiterate this by saying this. Your life is not powerful by what you declare. It's powerful by what you display. 
That brings us to verse 33 and the close of the sermon. His, his and mine. It's the remedy we have been talking about <clears throat> processes by the anxiety of the troubled heart, how it can be, uh, how it can experience the, uh, the resurrection and how it can ex- uh, produce peace. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and so your heart has a craving for food, drink, clothes, you know, the things of life. It has a craving for that. But if you will, if you will seek first his kingdom, then all the things that you need, you'll have. All the things that you crave, you'll have, if you crave him first. But if you set your sights on the things that you crave, you'll forfeit him. You can get all the things that your heart craves, but you'll forfeit him. And if you don't have him, you can't have peace. If you can't have him, you can't have his stuff. So you can want your stuff or you can want his stuff. If you want his stuff, you'll get your stuff. If you only want your stuff, you don't get any of his stuff. I want to give you a moment to write that down. All these things are important, but they can never be more important than him. Never more important than living for the glory of God, contentment, purposeful lives. When you live for the things of this world, even good things, for the pleasure of this world, I'm telling you, you will forfeit true peace. And that is the issue of our day. When you seek first his kingdom, you will gain the things that you need and the peace that your soul craves. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So there it is. The trouble that Jesus told us not to allow into our hearts. You remember, we just read it earlier, John 14. You know, my peace I leave with you. Not the peace that the world gives, but my peace I leave with you. Let your hearts not be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Jesus says that anxiety comes from trouble. Trouble comes from the heart that is fixed on this world and keeping the externals comfortable. And there's enough things in this world to cause that. Why wouldn't you just drive that to Jesus and begin to love the things he loves and your treasures begin to change? Uh, uh, turn to, I'm, I'm, I'm really done. But turn to Philippians chapter 4. I'm just going to read it, really. Those of you who know me, you know I'm, I'm lying. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7. And we'll close a little bit differently uh, today. In, in just a moment, after I read this, uh, we're, we're just going to close. We're going to close in silence. Uh, I know that everybody's not sitting on the end, so I'm going to ask you to be respectful. But uh, we're going to end the day in, a, in a, a moment of prayer. And I want you to stay where you are and, until you've prayed. And I'm going to ask you to pray that God would reveal to you the things you worry about. I'm going to ask you to pray that God would reveal to you His more. I want to pray, I'm going to ask that you pray that that the Holy Spirit would remind you 
of your value to him. I'm telling you, when you, when you experience that new identity in him, it, it, it will unleash a freedom. Joy, I mean, you, you, the, the things that you labor over, your, your work, the relationships that you dread, all of those things, you, you begin to find meaning and purpose in them. Instead of, instead of trying to change everything so you, they'll produce for you, you, you start working to produce for them. It, it changes everything. So that's, that's really that's how I want us to, to end is that God would reveal to you the things that are standing in your way. Maybe even they're wearing camouflage and you can't see them. That's why we have to ask the Spirit to reveal those things because you may not see them. You may not see all the maintenance in your life that's keeping you away from His presence and your true identity. And you may be here today and not be a Christian. And I'm telling you, there is no peace. There, there is only death for those who have not experienced in their spirit the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm going to ask you to come down here and I'm going to come down here and, uh, and, and, and I would love to pray with you and show you how you can accept the Prince of Peace in, into your life. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. So what can you be anxious about? Nothing. But in everything, by what is it? How much is it? Everything. By prayer. That word prayer means uh, like praise and worship. It's declaring God's goodness. That's what that word specifically in this context means. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Supplication is when you make requests. When you're asking things from God. So prayer is when you're declaring things about God, giving Him things. Supplication is when you are asking from Him for things. So don't be anxious about anything, but by worship and request, with thanksgiving, that actually applies to both the inner and the outward let your requests be made known to God. And, it's the biggest word in the New Testament. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, the seedbed of life. Seek first the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So the question that many will ask is, what is more important to me than God? And most people will say, nothing. So ask yourself this instead. What do I worry about? What causes anxiety in my life? What am I pursuing? What am I hoping will bring me peace one day? What is disrupting my peace today? And the answer to those questions will reveal the answer to the first. So I want us to take just a few moments. And as you finish praying, when you're done, you're free to go. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for your word and the truth of it. I ask that we would be honest with ourselves so that we can be honest with you. Help us to grow weary 
in just declaring. I pray that today we would display your sovereignty, your love, your value for us so that we can display to the world a better way, a way of peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.